by Midhost examine the 1999 Frank Oz-directed comedy Bowfinger. One minute of screen time per episode. I'm your host for this week. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am a experienced podcaster. I've been podcasting for well over a decade, and I've been a baseball podcaster primarily. I'm the host of the Locked On MLB podcast. Before that, it was the Sully Baseball Daily podcast. And the Movies by Minute World may know me as the host of the Bull Durham Minute. I'm also an Emmy-nominated television producer and a teacher and been an actor, a comedian, and sometimes a writer in sports magazines. I have a weird resume. Today, we're covering Minute 44, which begins with Carol being introduced to the concept of Cinema Nouveau by <laughs> Bowfinger and ends with the poor revelation that Daisy is figuring out if you want to get ahead in Hollywood, you don't sleep with a writer. Well, here's someone who's never slept with a writer, but he has had mm-hmm. a long and, well, you know, uh, ubiquitous career a man who has been on every third uh, commercial I've ever seen. Uh, and any commercial that PJ Marino is not in, uh, Todd Robert Anderson is in. Todd Anderson, welcome to the podcast. Oh, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. I actually did. I have slept with writers, but like poets, like poets. Oh, God. I wasn't to get ahead in, in the biz. I was about to say that if you're trying to get ahead, you don't sleep with a poet. Oh my God. You're not going to get anywhere with that. It's a horrible idea. Uh, Just put a little bit of background, Todd. You've been on uh, many shows, many, uh, you've been in many shows, many indie films, many commercials, thousands of commercials probably over the years. And uh, you and I met each other when we were at uh, New York University in their early nineties mm-hmm. and you were, you did a lot of the student films, some that I directed, some that our, a lot of our mutual friends directed. Um, we were in the all, and all of you had this in common at some point I would have to lie on the street. Yes. You're a, yes. a puddle of urine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're what we called a good sport. And, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it, it was funny because they, there's one thing that NYU did horribly, okay? And that was you had a film department that was always shooting short films. And you had an acting department that always had actors who were dying to do anything. And yet there was virtually no cross-pollinization. Yeah, so it's time, weird. A lot of times you saw like other student, you know, other film students acting in each other's films. Like I was in a billion student films as an actor and I wasn't bad, but I'm not like, I'm okay if you needed someone to say a line kind of goofy or to, you know, to play a cop or something like that. But I'm not a skill. I'm not someone studying the craft of acting. And you have some really talented people. And a lot of times we're like, I need anybody to be in my thing. And I need to act in anything. And you would think they would have Reese's Pieces or Reese's Peanut Butter Cup that together. You know? But they never, they they, they were just completely separate. Separate. Strange. Yeah. Yeah. And and we were in the good fortune that you – were in the dorm. It had nothing to do with the department. You were in the dorms with uh, John Ward and I, and a couple of the film students were in there, and you were like several doors down. And we became friends with you. I said, hey, there's a guy who can act. <laughs> 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 I found someone in New York who could act. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we made uh, uh, videos in your uh, dorm room. Yes. With, Unwatchable. With pro- How, probably like, bananas. <laughs> <laughs> like pretending we were the Kool-Aid man bursting in. Or <laughs> yeah. Pleasuring our pretending we were pleasuring ourselves to the Rocky theme. <laughs> These would essentially be used to blackmail us. As, you know, I'm, I'm a father now. I can't have anyone know that these exist. We're so lucky that we missed the whole social media internet thing. Oh my thing because... god, could you imagine if we were like if we were stupid enough, and and this kind of ties into Bowfinger, a little bit. Because, yeah, it sure does. Yeah, because you know Bowfinger existed in that pre-social media world, pre-YouTube world, and pre as you know. As I made this point, this this phone I have in my hand is better than all the equipment that I had at New York University. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a lot easier to carry around. And you could, you, the, the idea, you, you don't need a crew. You don't need you know, your editing equipment. I can edit on this. And so there's both- no danger of like walking out of the building with all this massive uh, film equipment and going yeah. down the stairs and bumping into Tony Danza. You don't have that anymore. <laughs> or, or going getting your film developed remember getting your film we taking your oh stuff yeah to, sure to do art or to technicolor and then you find out like oh it was slightly overexposed let's yeah, get everyone back i can't remember who told me that story but somebody in NYU film school told me this maybe you know who it was but they were coming out of the building with film equipment like a ton of film equipment and like literally bumped into tony danza oh i and don't he, know that story and, I don't and know he that. got he got hella mad he's like watch where the fuck you're going in this Film student went, oh, my God, you're Tony Danza. You suck. <laughs> but that's how he handled it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the way, there was a um, – I mean, we just were like – we would be running around with cameras shooting just crazy things. But then then you try to make it look good. You'd have to have a gigantic crew and everything like that. And there was the classic story 
I can't remember if I really sat down and cared, I would sit down and try to remember. Um, or I would ask like some of our mutual friends like Frank Stokes or Steve Hicks, if they could remember or John Ward or Michelle Chul, all these people that we were friends with who have gone on to have nice careers, some in the film industry, some not like some have just sort of spiraled off to do something else. And John Ward was nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. I know he's become like my roommate, by the way, this is, this is one of the weird things. John Ward was my roommate the first two years in college and we became very good friends. And we still, we don't see each other as often as I'd like, but we still communicate and everything like that. He had the single most intense music collection. Oh my God. Yeah. And, and not just sort of like, Hey, I have this new, I've got Graceland. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know? I got rhythm of the saints and Graceland. Yeah. But he would be like, Hey, I've got this, he would be like, I've got this LP of like Bolivian monks singing the theme of Benson. Do you want to hear it? It's sort of like, where, where, where do you, like, how do you find it? And like, he, he would have a thing, like a record of generic jingles from the sixties. It'd mm-hmm. be like, what a great pharmacy. <laughs> yeah. He has uh... a, <laughs> He has one of one of the country's biggest collections of industrial musicals. Yeah, on and, vinyl. And, and it, course, it, did you see that documentary, Bathtubs Over Broadway? Yes, I think I, because of John, I knew about it. But um, yeah, yeah. But and then I was the opposite. I had the soundtrack to Stop Making Sense and Star Trek Three. I think those were the only two CDs <laughs> that I owned. <laughs> and so I'm in this room with this guy in this the tiniest room in our dorm room, and his his side of the room looked like Lex Luthor's lair with the you know the 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 library that he needed the ladder to move around on. And I had <laughs> I had a shoebox with two CDs in it and. Uh, <laughs> And of course, he would play stuff for me, like saying, "Hey, I, you know, I just, you know, I got this thing. It's it, everything. It's just saws and metal, and they play every piece of Bach with just saws and metal." I go like, "Okay, John, I guess we're listening to this for the next four hours." <laughs> yeah, uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, oh, God, yeah, he would be a good, good, but like he was a he was. <laughs> He was the DP on many of the shoots that I did. Cause he was, oh, yeah, no. He, he was a I brilliant did. camera operator, and, you know. Yeah, you guys were often there when one of you asked me to be in a thing. You guys yeah. Both, well, you live right down the hall. And we yeah, were, yeah. And you were you were so stupid, you would say yes to us. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Sometimes they were half-baked ideas, you know. <laughs> John made a short film that was just called Todd Walks. <laughs> It's just it was just me walking around New York. It's fucking hilarious. Well, what we wanted to do, you don't understand the epic that we that John and I actually I think we were listening to like uh uh Cambodian yodelers doing the entire score of Fiddler on the Roof or whatever weird record he had. And we wanted to have the, our epic that we wanted to do was we wanted to film you, of course. You were our you were our muse film you walking around Greenwich Village and then you would step in a pile of dog crap <laughs> and then you would slide like whoa and then we would do we figured out how we would do it like like three frames at a time like you would slide all the way from Greenwich Village all the way down <laughs> and like, ah! and like we'd, we'd design it so like you were sliding down the street of Soho all the way down to the Staten Island Ferry 
<laughs> and, be, and this is how stupid we were. It was beyond just, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we did a film where Todd stepped on dog crap and he slid all the way down the Staten Island Ferry from Greenwich Village? It's another thing to sit down and say, how, what, okay, like the exposure, how we would have to have the whole time, like what distance behind us and like, like how we would try, like I was saying, we would, as you were sliding around, we would try to have the camera anticipate where your next move would be. So you would never slide out of frame, but we didn't want it to be too mechanical looking. We wanted to make it look like we were sliding with you. We never made that film. No, no, we didn't. But here's the deal with today's technology. We could. Yeah, we could if we wanted to. And of course, what film came out our junior year of college was Jurassic Park, which asked the question, just because you could, you too busy wondering if you could, you never wondered if you should. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It was that, that might have been our Jurassic Park. Well, but think if we had YouTube back then, we would have posted some of the crap that we did. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, when I first met you, you were one of the first people I ever met to do stand-up. And, and oh, that, yeah. That was three or four years before. I mean, I wound up doing stand-up for about 15 years, but like you went up as like a 19-year-old. Yeah, at, I started in high, in high school, I started. Yeah, yeah. And, and then New York just like eventually killed my desire to do it anymore. See, to me, it was the opposite. <laughs> to me, it was exactly <laughs> the opposite. But could you imagine, though, like you see people, like I met someone recently who was just starting stand-up, and they were doing a show in Pasadena, not far from where I live. And she started posting her shows. She's done like three shows. She's posting them on YouTube. And I think that's the equivalent of me, like this is the third time I've ever sat at a piano going ding, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. okay maybe i could sell this on itunes ding, ding, ding. don't make that public <laughs> wait until the the thing that the thing and, I, and again bring this back to bowfinger the the thing that is missing now is the notion of wait till it's good before you show people yeah that's true <laughs> People are quick to, to post stuff, yeah, because it's all about content, content, yeah. content, which well, I guess that's what the, the Bowfinger uh, folks are, are, are trying to do. They're trying to create content. But it was so much harder to create But content. there were no phones. They didn't have phones yeah, to do like, it with. I remember one of my, the first few short films that I did in around, the, actually, the, around the time Bowfinger came out was around the time I was first having any of the short films that I made, not the NYU ones. And those are not to be seen by anybody, nor should they. Those are when you're learning how to do it. You know, mm -hmm. and then I eventually learned, eventually I got good at it. And and after being, after, you know, stubbing my toe over and over again, I got better at it. And I started working with comedians. And blah, 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 blah. Anyway, um, when my, when the short films I was doing finally started being shown in film festivals, and I'd get a couple prizes here or there, like they'd be like, oh my god, there's 200 people watching it. I can't believe it. 200 people are watching my film, and now it's like, <laughs> you know, the, I saw a uh, um, a video of a guy dressed as a stormtrooper, Star Wars stormtrooper, doing pelvic thrusts to the Blue Danube. You know, dun 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 dun. It had two million views. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking yeah. about the hard work that I put into stuff. 
And I just should have gotten a stormtrooper outfit and started. Well, maybe pirating. maybe our uh, Kool Aid uh, faux masturbation videos <laughs> would have been big yeah. YouTube hits. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if all you have to do is hump the air dressed like a stormtrooper, I mean. And speaking of humping the air, um, <laughs> the scene begins when Carol is watching the on the upright movieola the scene where she and Kit, the Eddie Murphy character, are have been intercut to look like they're in, there's a tense scene in the parking lot, and of course. Christine Baranski, who's great in the film, and I think everyone's great in this film, um, is the is that that archetype of the incredibly self-important, self-involved actress that the entire world revolves around their performance, and, and also her, really super uh, pretentious about yeah. the the process and the uh, yeah the art of it yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 thinking that the process matters to anybody but themselves, like nobody <laughs> cares. But they think the the only reason they're not famous is is it's just a formality at this point. Just just point the camera at me and see my genius. And right. They've, they've read one too many articles about Meryl Streep or you know Robert De Niro's process of getting prepared. And, right. Yeah. Or they I, just you know listen too hard to their acting teachers and. <laughs> take it with it them and regurgitate it back at other people to sound smart and good i keep I thinking of henry winkler in um what's it in uh in barry as mm -hmm. sort of like you know talking like grandiose terms of a guy who never quite made it and is going to the same auditions as everyone else but he's found this little racket you know and that everyone sort of gloms around him and I would imagine because you've been a working actor for decades. I would yeah. imagine you've bumped into your share of Carol's Christine Baranski's character over the years. Oh, for sure. I mean, it, you know, it, it, it often reads. It's like people take themselves too seriously. I think mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times uh, uh, with actors. I, I don't. I don't understand it because I. <laughs> I can't take it seriously. It's memorizing words and standing on pieces of tape it's it, it's kind of funny yeah you know of course i've met my share of filmmakers who are uh, extraordinarily pretentious but there's i don't think i don't think steve martin's character is i think he is kind of just trying to be a survivor um yeah no he's not pretentious but in this scene it was the first part first half of this minute he does um placates her with uh with pretentious nonsense well and of course just saying any like cinema nouveau means <laughs> yeah, like what is it, it just as, means new cinema new, but as long as you say it in french yeah i mean believe me i mean look at there are some there are some great french films there's some truly wonderful french films mm -hmm. uh so i don't want to be i don't want to paint you know the, the 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 french with a too strong a brush on that path but there's a lot of wanting to sound and, and, you know, wanting, you know, I read Cahiers du Cinema, and, you know, I only like films of a cinema verite. You just start to say things in French, and you're just basically, even it's the term film noir mm -hmm. is like, you know, it's, a, it's a, a dark mystery film. No, it's film noir. The, the <laughs> mise-en-scene is, the, is the, the term that always drives me bananas. The mise-en-scene, wonderful use of the mise-en-scene. It just means what you see on the screen 
Right. But if you say it in French, <laughs> uh -huh. I, I mean, I, I, I speak enough French because my family lived in a French-speaking country for a couple of years when I was a kid. And so I picked up enough, I, 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 I picked up enough French that I don't always have to have the subtitles on. But I can't discuss Flaubert. You know, I can't get deep. But right. I, I've always used this, like, French makes everything, like, everything sounds better in French. Like, I'm going to say this sentence. Tu fais le bruit de cochon. That sounds pretty pretty cool, doesn't it? Yeah. I said, I said you make the pig noise. Tu fais le bruit de cochon. You make the pig noise. Oh, that you makes sense. You make the pig noise. Yeah. That does that's the but it sounds smooth. It sounds like you romantic. Yeah, it sounds it sounds fancy. Did you do you remember that old Steve Martin stand up bit about speaking French? Yeah. <laughs> I would like to go to the hotel. <laughs> I would like to go to the hotel, please. I, mean, I know Steve Martin was a big hero of yours. Yeah, yeah, I lo I loved him. I got yeah. I got I I uh, I've run into him twice. Really? Once was yeah, I went With to a Tony Danza outside of NYU? No, no, no. Not <laughs> that kind of running, just like seeing him. Yeah. Uh, one time I saw him uh, walking his dog in the in the hills uh, of San Fernando Valley. Um, but back when we were in college, I went to a taping of SNL mm -hmm. um, and uh, and he was there. He wasn't in the show. He was just there. Mm -hmm. um, and he uh, um, after the show, you know, you wait by these elevators and then the cast starts to come out. And so you can see the stars. Was, was this like the Dana Carvey year? What years? I mean, this must have been the early. This was, uh, yeah, it was Mike myers uh, it was here. i think the the episode i saw was a season premiere oh wow and uh and i think it was chris farley's first episode because mm. we we ran into him he was walking out like by himself just like uh schlubbing down the hall and we were like oh man you're awesome that was great and he was like oh thanks he was really nice but then steve martin came out he was married to victoria Tennant at the time and uh and he came out of the elevator uh uh yes and i was like steve martin and my friends were like dude don't go don't and i was like i gotta go i gotta shake his hand i just gotta go so i ran up you know my friend's like no no, no. and i said mr martin i'm a huge fan i just just wanted to shake your hand and uh, he took his hand from around Victoria Tennant and shook my hand. Wow. And it was, and it was great. I was like starstruck. I was high all night just uh, having shook Steve Martin's hand. It would have been weird if he didn't move his hand. He kind of pushed Victoria into you and then shook your hand. That would have been. Well, you know, a part, I like part of me was expecting him to say, "I, I yeah. don't, I don't have a hand to shake because it's on. I have it on my wife." But right. that that was not the case. He was very cool about it. There you go. There you go. Well, look at the there's this minute that you that you and I are breaking down. It's funny. We have two distinct kinds of phony actress archetypes. <laughs> yeah, like back to back. <laughs> yeah, one you have the super pretentious, you know, lifelong. She, I'll tell you where I met lots of women like, or lots of not just women, like men and women, like uh, um, Christine Baranski's Carol was when I would do when I would go to places where they had film festivals. Like mm -hmm. I would go to Melbourne, Florida, I would go to Corvallis, Oregon, or I'd go to some place, you know, some of these places that are that there's enough artists there that they can create a community, but none of them are quite good enough. There's a little waiting for Guffman qual I've mm -hmm. seen I've grown to love waiting for Guffman more and more the more I've been to these kind of towns where you meet the person who is the big actor 
of Erie, Pennsylvania. And mm-hmm. they walk around like they're Dustin Hoffman or Al Pacino because they're <laughs> always starring. But you know that if they went to New York, they couldn't get they they wouldn't even get a line read for a cop in an episode of Law and Order. Yeah. But in Erie, and so they don't want to leave Erie because they don't want to, you know, they, they can't they, be they, they can't get be to be a big fish in a small pond. In, and in yeah. Christine Perancy, even though she's in Hollywood. She strikes me as one of those people who would have been like the star of community theater in Melbourne, Florida, and yeah, walk around sure. as the, the grand dam of you know the the theater there. And then you have Heather Graham's Daisy, who is the the young, sexy, literally off the bus ingenue, mm-hmm. who is going to play innocent and yet understands her currency. Mm-hmm. as being mm-hmm. young and over the top sexy and how is she going to work her way up the ladder and in this film i mean you, i was thinking about you know steve martin wrote it frank oz directed it you know those two have met their share of daisies who they they zero right in like going like oh not the writer who's next who let's go up the right. let's go right up the ladder to see where i can get exactly what i need and I'm sure we've met. I I know I know a few daisies. I know sure. a few daisies. Yeah, sure. I mean, God bless the the the, the, the daisies of the world. I guess. <laughs> but you know, she's with a she's with poor um, Afrim. I think is the character's name, played by mm-hmm. uh, Adam Alexi Molly, who who hasn't had a very extensive career. Looking him up, he is a. It's like he does a lot of voiceover work. It's like he's done a lot of video games and animated shows. But this is one of his few major. This is certainly his largest role in what is a you know a mainstream Hollywood you know big Hollywood movie with big movie stars. I remember thinking he was. I thought he was really good. I think he's really good. In the movie. Yeah, yeah. He's like, very well, funny. And I think why isn't this guy done more? And I'm like, wow, this is kind of. Uh, He's he's like this guy who gets his one shot in this, and man, it's kind of meta. What, what has yeah. happened in his career? I mean, hate to say it, but there's so many weird subcultures. I mean, that's one of the things I I mean. And we'll wrap up here in just a minute. But I, one of the things I love about this film is it kind of points at the sub, the weird subcultures that exist in the entertainment industry. Like it's not a homogenized thing. You could be someone like a Bowfinger and have. You know, there's there's elements of this film that almost remind me of Ed Wood, that you know you could have you have a charismatic center, you can attract people around you even if you're not doing anything of value, you know, and and there's also like these little pockets of like you've got the voice people make their living doing voiceovers. I people, I mean, I did stand up comedy for a long time, and there's people like, oh my God, you're huge, you're a person I'm looking up to, which anyone outside that circle are like, who are you talking about? I've never heard of it. I I never forget when I did a show, one time when I did a show and I opened for Dave Attell and I was a huge fan of Dave Attell mm-hmm. and that, that there was a show, his opener w- couldn't do it for whatever reason. The person, I knew someone at Stand Up New York that said, Dave Attell is doing a show. We, I The opener is out. I think you'd be good at this and I'm going to have to make sure the club owner sees it. I'm like, going, I'm opening for Dave Attell. It's the opener, Dave, uh, opener, me, then Dave. I couldn't believe, I mean, it was like, it was, I couldn't believe this was happening. And I was telling that to my comedy friends and they couldn't wait to come see the show and everything. And I told to my non-comedy friends and said, who's that? Mm -hmm. I've never heard of them. 
Mm-hmm. Is he good? And I'm like, geez, are you kidding me? And, you know, so I'm like, I realized outside of that, Dave and I were the same, you know, they, they yeah, the same thing. But if you're, if you're, if you're within that circle, you know, it means everything. I got to ask you this question though. Yeah. Have you ever been tempted to join the, uh, you know, you have the, the, the Terrence stamp, uh, basically the, uh, uh mind, mind head, the mind, mind head. head. Has yeah. you, have you ever interacted with someone who is in something like that? Well, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> I, there's no way of avoiding um, the real life mind head in Hollywood, in, in the Church of Scientology, because a lot of people are uh, Scientologists. I've known a, a, a bunch of them. Yeah. I, um, I, yeah. They're, you know, it's like in a professional environment, it's totally fine. They're, you know, they're just a little weird. They have a little bit of a, you know, a, 3000 yard stare, you know, it's they're they're trying to control your mind, you know. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is why I want this is what I actually the reason I wanted you to come onto the show is I wanted to talk to you about the advantages. <laughs> <laughs> I had a I worked on a show. I worked on a show where I'm not going to say the name of the show cuz the guy was actually a very nice guy. He was a mm-hmm. very nice guy. He was very good at what he did. He was he worked behind the scenes um, as a producer on a on a show that I worked on that I had a very that sadly wasn't picked up. But I had a very, he was a very sweet guy, um, and it just he just sort of was asking me questions about my family and my life, and I just thought he was being you know chatty, mm-hmm. and and then it just sort of it's like. It's why I could never be a salesman. It's like <laughs> it's like I realized this was a sales pitch. He just like they had he had like a he was he kind of he slipped it right in and he was good because you know I was like oh we're talking about that what? yeah and like and now I'm like I'm an atheist heathen I I I I'm not a, and whatever you believe is fine as long as it doesn't hurt other people. And as long as it doesn't give you, it, as long as your lack of grip of reality doesn't make you make bad decisions because your 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 base point of reality is is non-existent. I mean, my personal opinion is that you know I'm all for uh, the freedom of religion and all that stuff. Yeah. But it it doesn't. I, I mean. You know, it's not just Scientology. I think most oh. religions like lead to uh, necessarily hurting other people to maintain your belief system. It, it's just what? how it's the nature of religion. Well, it's it's a nature of religion to be a club. And yeah, like, exactly. It's like you know, it, join our club mm-hmm. and don't join their club. And 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 again, if if someone is doing, if someone's going to the soup kitchen and doing good deeds, like I work in special education right now. And a lot of the people I work with are very religious and they, they bring up their religion to me. And I say, I'm not a religious guy, but whatever. And like, I say, I think if that's what's motivating you to help these kids and to live a good life, great. I don't care about your motivation. I care about what you do. But when it starts to be like, when I think it's a pledge drive, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm like. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I've done, you know, you know, volunteer work here and there, uh, you know, uh, handing out food, food to the homeless. And usually the people who organize these things are churches. Yeah. 
So it, I, I was always like, you know, happy to help out and, you know, putting these like box lunch things together for people. But then, you know, they had insisted on putting, you know, pamphlets about the religion in no. with the food. Yeah. And I felt give- weird about that. It's like, just give them food. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, and again, this is not, I, I, look at, I keep, I always have to say these, these disclaimers, whatever you believe in, if it makes you happy and it doesn't hurt other people, great. I've always wondered why do we have to have the caveat for the sandwich we're handed to the dude? Just hand the sandwich to the dude, mm-hmm. you know, and and you know, and I don't, know. I don't know, but like, yeah, I, but, I agree. It's but it, you it, see, it, you see, and it, you know, back with the, you know, with the the hats and everything in the in the in this film, you just see that they have sales pitches. Like they know, like how do they do it? And like, and they, and they, and how did he, like the guy I worked with, I let on he was a man, um, was just didn't feel like a hard sell, mm-hmm. and yet after ten minutes of talking, he was talking about how this led to this, this led to this, everything's and I'm going like, I'm like, and I, and I, you know, I, to his credit, when I was kind of like, that's that, it's not going to be for me. He didn't, you know. He did. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like Jack Lemon in like Gary Glenn Ross <laughs> down on the couch in the guy's house, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Thankfully, he didn't do that. But uh, right. <laughs> but uh, well, look at. Um, all right. Well, look at. I mean, we covered a lot here. Now we're talking about. We, sh- life. we sure did. Well, I, uh, I. It's fun. I'm glad you guys are doing this because uh, Bowfinger is a fun movie. It, like I don't. I think it's kind of underrated it's kind of a perfect comedy yeah. and like if i had a if like if i had a knit to pick with bowfinger it's simply that because like you look at this minute like those two scenes about actresses back to back and they're you know in that minute you get several jokes mm-hmm. and several laughs and and i would say bowfinger is a very consistently funny movie uh there's no you know dips so the fact that in 99 that this was Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy, mm-hmm. two guys who at that point I was like, what happened to my, my funny guys? What, what and the, and it was like, Oh, they're back. But then yeah. it was just this one off of Bowfinger. And then they went back to family movies and Norbit. Yeah. It was kind of, remo- you know, maybe it took a Frank Oz to sort of, sort of jostle it, you know, to be like, Hey, I know what we're going to do. I tell you one of the things that, again, we saw this in the film, one of the reasons why I think this film works is yes, there's a lot of laughs. There's a lot of jokes. And there's, there was in this one minute, there's about three or four, there were three or four legit laughs, but they're all character driven. Yeah, they're for not, sure. They're, they're not just, you know, quip punchline, quip punchline. It's no, it's Christine Baranski's character is creating this comedy. Heather Graham's character is creating this comedy. Steve Martin's character is. So therefore, it's less about punchlines. Yeah, and more, and I think the films that it's the the movie that I did before this that I did that I hosted on my own was Bull Durham, and I love Bull Durham. And there's not a lot of gags or punchlines in that movie, but it's no. very funny because it has three central characters who are very consistent, and the humor comes from them. And I think the films that have character-driven comedy age better than you know everyone trying to be. Matthew Perry and friends with a funny quip all the time or yeah. 
or Neil Simon, who we're all supposed to worship at the altar of Neil Simon. But I think Neil Simon's really a lot of his, I mean, he did he did some good stuff, of course, but he also did some just things that are just, I'm just going to be really quippy, quippy lines, quippy lines. And sort of like, and a lot of things, it's quippy, the characters were servicing the quippy lines as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, just the story. Allow, allow yeah. the funny to be allow the funny to happen. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I mean, also like Bowfinger is written, you know, in that like eighty style of of Steve Martin movies, mm-hmm. which you know at, at that point and still to this day, I like I miss that. I love the old uh, Steve Martin stuff. So it, it, it was just it was refreshing to see it again. Yeah. Um. But like within i mean just mindhead is a funny name you know mm-hmm. so you have the there's funny wordplay in there as well but i agree it's it's more character driven but like chubby rain that's just a funny uh, that's, that's fucking hilarious the uh, <laughs> and i'll just say that um i had i i worked i did corporate videos for a little bit because dreams do come true and uh i did for a few years they paid they you know they corporate videos pay so it's like i directed for years for some tech companies um and um it wasn't fun but it was it was you know a lot of bills were paid in the process but uh um my my one of my coworkers, uh one of his favorite movies was the man with two brains and mm-hmm. the fact that i could be in a cubicle with a guy who i could throw lines from man with two brains I'm like you know, <laughs> you know yeah. the, she, she she goes the rest of her life going <laughs> <laughs> Anamelma. Yep. Yeah. That love was, that uh, movie. Yeah. Yep. You cooked her nines. Oh, <laughs> uh, I. By the way, if anyone's going to do, I I can't host it. But if anyone wants to do Man with Two Brains, minute, I'm there. Just let, let me know. Yeah, Just I'll I'll go. What, too. Yeah. what time? What time and where? That's all <laughs> I have to say. Well, hey, what time and where? Todd Robert Anderson. Where can people? Can people follow you on social media or do anything? Uh, you can see my show, my uh, weekly live uh, show called My Favorite Shitty Movie uh, <laughs> on Wednesdays uh, at 6 p.m. Pacific time. And that uh, we use StreamYard uh, and it goes out uh, over Facebook and a couple other right. social media places. So, yeah, you can do that. And I just shot an episode of American Auto, which is oh, that's a great show. Yeah, that it's really a, funny. That is a really funny show. I'm glad it's back. Oh, I, I really like that show. That's a there's a there's a lot of funny in that show. Yeah, it was funny. It was fun to work on. So yeah, I'll, I'm in like the twelfth episode of the second season. I think. Oh, so cool. Oh, cool. A I'm, couple I'm, of three weeks. I'm thrilled about that. That's that's there's there's a lot. I I really like the first season. There was a lot of funny in that show. Yeah, fun. it's funny. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, look at you can do that. And uh, by the way, uh, follow. Uh, are at Welcome to Minehead, the Bowfinger Minutes Listener Center on Facebook. Uh, we are still on Twitter. We're complicit at uh, Bowfinger Minute. Uh, and if you want to follow us, the Bowfinger Minute podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or at the main site, which is bowfingerminute.com. If you have time, please like, subscribe, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. If you like the Movie by Minute podcast, you can check them out. At moviesbyminute.com, find your favorite movie there. If your favorite movie isn't Bowfinger or Bull Durham, for that matter, uh, Indiana Jones Minute is the show that got me into this whole world. And I show up in a bunch of these episodes, if you listen to that. But they're great. A lot of great shows to listen to there. 
And uh, by the way, our singer at the beginning, the person who created this, uh, the music for the podcast, was Mr. Math, and he's available on Spotify. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. You can follow me uh, where my my site is still on Twitter at uh, Sully Baseball. You can follow my podcast, Locked On MLB, or you can check out the old podcast, Sully Baseball daily is still available on all your podcasting platforms but check out locked on mlb if you're a big baseball fan i'm talking baseball all year long no bigger baseball fan than todd robert anderson let me tell you that. <laughs> yeah yeah i love baseball well you know football we, and all of it i love we, professional sports we we all have our thing we all have <laughs> our thing but Thanks for listening. I got I got a one more episode to do. It'll be minute 45. Thank you for joining us here on Bowfinger Minute. In the meantime, keep it together. 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 Children. I hope that we see you again Cause there's always One more